Hi, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system, and L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark. Excited to have all of you with us today and my special guest, Laura DeFranco. How are you doing, Laura? I'm great. Thanks for having me on today. You bet. Super excited. I am Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, international speaker, longtime coach in professional baseball, coaching in three world series, and excited to be with you today on another episode of Winners Find a Way. And Laura, let's Let's talk a little bit about you first. Where can they find you, Laura? Oh, come on over to bravehealer.com. You can find everything. Bravehealer.com. And they can find you on LinkedIn? Yes, for sure. And on the socials, are you Brave Healer? Are you Laura DeFranco? (laughs) You can come on over to Facebook and find me on Brave Healer by Laura. Instagram, Brave Healer Productions. Just type Brave Healer and I'll come up. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Love it. All right. Just find Brave Healer. You're there. You got it. So, Laura, so you're a San Francisco native, born and raised, and came out ultimately after physical therapy school to hit the East Coast, overrun Bethesda, Maryland, <laughs> living in the D.C. area. You are a brave woman. I, you must be a brave healer because if you want to be in D.C., <laughs> it feels rough out there right now. But wow, you are the CEO of Brave Healer Productions, a mother of two, both a boy and a girl, college age, and one just finishing up and one got a couple more years left there out at the University of Maryland, a couple terrapins. And so Brave Healer Productions, you've got quite an operation there. After a long career in PT, you pivot to the publishing world of healing. Walk us through that transition. I had written throughout my whole life, though. So I I wasn't a newbie to writing or publishing. I had been doing that since I was a teenager, actually. In physical therapy, it was always about like the book I was going to write to help people heal mind, body, soul. And I didn't really write it for a really long time. But I did start publishing my own work in 2012. And that started when my son and I decided to do a Taekwondo class together and ended up earning our black belt six years later alongside each other. And I just kept writing after that. I blogged for my work, I wrote more books, and I started teaching people what to do with their publishing. And when I realized I knew a thing or two and started to do that, and we've got a whole nother story, COVID story that happened with our expert collaborations, but I'll save that for another minute or two. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, most people probably don't look at you as the brave healer, physical therapist and go, Yes, third degree black belt. Of course, I'm into some heavy martial arts. And what a cool thing to do with both you and your son. I mean, what a fun event to kind of go through together. It was incredible. I will forever be grateful for the six years I trained alongside him and for the experiences we had. I mean, heck, I wrote a whole book about it. It was a big deal. 
And I journaled all through those six years about my experiences as a mom, as a healer, as a business owner, as a martial artist. And at the end of that time, when I told you I always said I would write a book, I kind of looked in my journals and I thought, whoa, here it is. I've already written this book. I just need to pull it out and figure out what I want to tell the world about this journey. But being able to do it with your kid, that was a gift, a big Mm. gift. It was profound. Yeah. And I mean, you were very, you enjoyed physical therapy, healing, helping people. That was a passion for you coming out of school. And anyone who goes to physical therapy school knows this is like a seven, eight year journey to start working. (laughs) And so, whoa. You must really love school. And so (laughs) the education and and you're committed to this for a long time, but, you know, talk to me about what comes to mind to you when I say healer and what that means. And tell me why you find more purpose today than even your physical therapy work. I did love school, by the way. I'm a total anatomy geek. You can talk body parts with me any day and I will geek out on that. Healers don't like to call themselves healers, just in terms of that part of your question. Authentic healers know they don't fix people. They know that they facilitate a process And so we are good teachers. We are good facilitators. I'm a healer because I can help you connect with your own awareness and your own magic and your own inner wisdom, right? And so when I married what I did in the healing realm with what I was doing in the writing realm, I started to light more than I ever did in that career. And you're right. I loved what I did. I would tell people every day, I love what I do. I love helping people. But now I brought this writing stuff, which I loved, and this teaching people about themselves and how to heal themselves. And I brought it together and I thought, whoa, okay, it only took me, I won't tell you how many years to figure out my true purpose in the world. But seriously, I've never been more inside of my purpose with the mesh up of these things together. So I like to help my professional colleagues share their messages in a way that you get it, right? Because we're in the holistic realm. We're in the alternative realm. We want people to understand what's possible. And sometimes I feel like I'm a translator for some of that alternative language. Uh, there's more scientific research out there. I love the idea of facilitating, right? As a longtime coach, I never thought maybe that's my next book is facilitating greatness, right? I was always called a dream maker because people in pro athletes, pro sports, like we're dreaming about being a pro athlete since we're like little kids, right? And we run around our backyard and we're like, hey, here it is. Fourth down and four from the four yard line and Clark goes in for the touchdown, Super Bowl win, right? And we're just reenacting this chance to be in that kind of stage. It was a real paradigm shift for me when my first time I went to the World Series, I was 25 years old and I'm sitting in the living in the dream. I'm, I'm actually watching it play out for 50 young men and maybe not so young <laughs> and and we were just like watching it play out like this is what you've always been dreaming about and there's so few people i find laura who actually get to live the dream right and really jump into it and yet there's a lot of people that hey my dream is to study science at a major university my dream is to raise these three children and my dream is to do this and that is their dream and they are doing it so i don't want to say it never happens but I feel like it's more rare than ever. And I've never thought of myself as a healer. I am, I'm not, I can't do anything for anybody, right? Like they got to go do it. 
like I, I can't hit the ball for you. You've got to go do it. But we're always facilitating process of the best way to do it. And we're still doing that today on the entrepreneurial level, right? With leadershipity, we're helping leaders and owners be sustainable through a facilitated process. And so walk me through how, did you really translate that over from the therapy world of there is clear process of how we do that? And you know that you can't, physically rehabilitate. You can't do the rehab and go, hey, hey, if you do all my exercise, my rotator cuff will get better. I'll feel better. So walk me through how that you really found that shift there. I mean, for me, it was always holistic. It was always what I didn't like is that they would come and they would say, I've got this low back and I want you to fix my low back. And so I would take a step back and I would start to talk to people about the whole big picture. First of all, your whole entire body, but also your mind. If I was the PT who forgot to ask them, hey, how's your life going right now? If I missed that they had a loss in the family or a job shift, or one of the million things that can happen in your life. And I didn't really know about the stress, or the anxiety, or the fear, or the stuff that was coming up. I, as a practitioner, was missing a big part of the boat. And that you're talking about athletes, too, because if, as a coach, if you don't know the athlete, if all you're ever doing is saying, hey, let's be better physically, and you're not talking about the mental aspect, you don't know what's going on in their life. It's the same exact picture here. So to be the best coach, you have to be holistic. You have to know the big picture of the people that you're working with. And so now in publishing, same thing. Like I want to be a publisher who is known for the fact that the foundation of what we do is... I know this is a healing journey for you to write your story, maybe for the first time ever, and then hit publish and know that somebody more than your mom and your BFF are going to read it. <laughs> like that's a process. It's an evolution. Yeah. It's a self-development journey. So yeah, this, I love this topic. I love the idea of the holistic. And when I get a, you know, a view of that, when you said that about, oh, I've got a bad back, I'm pointing to the kid who is, and hey, my little brother and my sisters get shoes before. Before I do, and I'm wearing eight-year-old shoes or hand-me-downs, and I'm like going, hey, one of the problems with your is your physical tools, your, your equipment is not up to spec, and it's affecting your body, right? There's a change. Or the mental side of my parents are going through a divorce, and my back hurts. Meaning there are a lot of things, right? Not only the mental stress, but probably not sleeping well. And if you're poverty stricken or you're used to that, especially all of us college kids, you don't have a lot, right? And you're like, oh, my mattress kind of sucks. And, or I sleep on a couch somewhere because I really can't afford the rent. So I'm couch surfing most of the time. And you're like going, man, there's a lot of holistically stacked up against this person to get this healing right because the therapy is going to help, but we're not taking the intangible away, which is bad rest, which is the poor shoes, which is you know, all these things that are holistically going to continue creating this problem. Yeah, and don't get me started on nutrition in that story yes. too. Yeah. Hold on. Well, okay, so let's dive into that because we just went through a significant pandemic and you see all these things that happen and healing's a big deal. And I was seeing looking frustrated, obviously, as a person with a degree in science and health science, especially, and going, hey, bars are open. Alcohol distributors are open, but hey, let's, let's keep those offices for therapy closed. Let's keep the gyms closed. Wait, what? Because I want to keep myself 
physically very fit on this not go home and create bad habits. And so we talk about this, these pains, and we always talk about the two pains in life, the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. And the pain of discipline is typically acute. It is painful, right? I have to do things I don't really want to do, but they're good for me. They're good for the people around me. I have to put my head down and get them done and meet my schedule, meet my deadlines. And But that's acute, right? Just like a hard workout. I'm sore, but a couple of you and I go climb a mountain and we haven't done that for a couple of months. That's a tough hike. And the next day our calves are sore. We're sore on our glutes. Backs are a little tight. And you're like, oh, man, that was a good workout. We know we did something good for ourselves. It hurts a little bit. And in three days, we're going to be fine. But this regret pain is chronic. It just doesn't go away. And it feeds addiction because substances take our pain away for a short time, right? And my assumption is like addiction is on a major rise after a pandemic where people got locked down and they're doing stuff. I heard a funny meme saying, hey, my monthly alcohol budget I just spent this week. That was a funny meme during COVID. Hold on, someone better get an eye on this person because these are pretty bad habits. And so we can start this cycle pretty easily and we're not being around socially who the people who lift us up, who create that value for us in our lives. Walk me through what you found because the healer world is now and are clamoring for therapy. They want to get in and get regular about taking better care of themselves mentally and physically and, and more mentally. You're breaking up a little bit there. So I'm going to, I think I got you though. Listen, people are exhausted. They're broken down. They're worn down over the last three years. If you pile on what they had already before COVID happened, Happened. And it the pylon is creating hopefully a moment of awareness for you if you have been struggling that you're at capacity. This is another reason why I made that movement to somebody the other day. It's I realized in a moment that I was at a, at capacity. Like mentally, if one more thing was going to be added onto my plate, I was going to break. I felt it physically, and so mm. I've been trained to, to come back down into my body. Okay, we were talking about this earlier. I've been trained that to come back in is the only opportunity that I have to heal. And that from that grounded and connected and centered place where I remember to take the breath and clear my mind, I can choose with awareness and I'll say body awareness. I've got the choice. But if I've already been tilting the bottle back or if I've already taken the pill or if I just got to capacity, didn't practice any awareness and just trying to numb it up, that's where we're going to get into trouble really fast. And a lot of people have been getting into some big trouble with the pile on I call it the pile on if that's what it feels like to me because enough things pile on you pretty much you can't breathe after a while mm. so I want to bring people back into their body and back into their breath and I think the other biggest important thing is reaching out for help. This takes a warrior. Brave healers, I, I put those two words together on purpose. It, even just to reach out for help takes a warrior some days. And I'll pause it there to see what direction you want to go with that. But let's get back in. Let's take those deep breaths and let's figure out where we need to go from there before we start to try to numb. There's such a famous, um, I don't know if it's famous, but it's a really excellent quote. Brene Brown did this one. If you numb the pain, you also numb your joy. Every time I think about wanting to have the glass of wine because 
I'm having a crappy day, I just pause myself and maybe I'll go for a walk or maybe I'll put on the music or maybe I'll call my friend or maybe I will journal. That's a big one for me. I love that. I mean, I think that's pretty locked in. She's pretty good, right? Love that. And, and so a couple of things that you brought up that I really love. One is the courage to ask for help. I think that's really important. If you're going to be brave, you're going to be a warrior, that takes some courage. And I think that's a big deal for people out there. Two is I find that modern medicine wants to press on a pill for everything and a fix instead of that healing instead of that internal body. You and I both know as people of science and going through university that the body is in a main contraption, right? I mean, it's fearfully and wonderfully made, right? It's this impossible thing that heals from the inside all the time. And I want you to speak to, you have a big shift that you talk about in your work from mindful to bodyful. And I'd never heard that term before. And bodyful, I mean, that just, whoa, everyone, oh, I'm going to be mindful. Okay. Bodyful. Walk us through that a little bit, how that shift happened. That's a little bit what I'm saying in terms of body awareness, but I don't want my mind to be any more full than it already is. And most leaders in the world are overthinkers. They are thinkers. They're creative thinkers. They're amazing. But they kind of forgot that there's anything below here. (laughs) And we walk around with the the thoughts and we walk around up here, literally up here all day long. And to be giving yourself permission to feel means that you have to drop down. You have to notice how your core feels. You have to notice the breath coming into your body and back out. You have to notice that you feel anything because if it's only the thoughts you're observing, you kind of forgot a big piece. So that's the anchor for me. I want to come back in. I want to ground there. I want that place to be the place I show up in the world from because I can feel and see and sense and respond so much better from that place than I can if I just stay up here in this overthinking mind that's making every little thing mean extra stuff. And I'm adding baggage to my mental baggage up there, right? And I'm really sort of spinning that out of reality when really what's happening right here right now, you know, probably 99% of the things I'm making up in here are not really a problem right this second. I'm having a pretty good time talking to you and I'm in this nice warm house. And so you got to come back in and you got to come back in to the present moment in your body, in your seat. And remember, you have feet. Come on down, literally. I think that's really powerful. I mean, for me, conditioning guy a long time, the body was so important. And we were, well, I think a lot of years, we were very focused on physical health. Get your physical health right. I mean, we stay in the focus. We're still leading obesity, right? <laughs> of, all, of all counts. So we're not actually doing it necessarily, but we are learning what we need to do. And then... I need to get mindful. I need to be thoughtful to that. And then there's this moral conditioning that I think is probably dropped on a lower scale that we've kind of lost. And you know, when you think about the bodyful and you described the mind and so much up top of our thinking, and I, and you never, I could never be 
named as an overthinker. I could never be me. When I thought about that, I was probably 12 or 15 years old in that range. And I remember seeing something in a Time magazine of how the human body will adapt over time. And it was these little bodies and these big heads because we're going to be so intelligent. We're going to have all this knowledge. It was like a depiction of how we'll morph over our timeline. And, and I just thought it was so funny. We're going to be like, you look like little aliens, right? Because it was like this huge massive heads and like this tiny little body. And yeah, and I thought it was like really happening. And you now know how tied those two are, right? The heart and mind are tied together and you got to take care of one with both. And the heart leads the way, which is central to the body, right? It starts everything in the body from the blood system on up. So I want to talk a little bit about when we talk on the show, we talk about winners when showing data that they're losing, find a way to win. You've been through a significant challenge with a daughter who was abused. There was charges involved and putting that person in jail behind that. And man, there's just a lot going on there from a physical, mental, moral health standpoint, holistically. And you've talked about it before in your writings and your work of the ninja mindset maneuver, the moves, right? Talk to me about how that is, has been holistic, applied in these real challenges that you face. Yeah, the ninja moves of mindset, I like to call them that. I'll back up for a minute and give you a piece of anatomy that I think is really important, e even for the mindset talk but you've got a connective tissue system inside of you that is three-dimensional from head to toe. It's your fascial system. And as a myofascial expert, myofascial release practitioner, my healer friends will be nodding their heads when they hear me say this piece. Trauma is stuck in a mind-body, mental-physical fashion in us. Where is that? And people love to talk about location. You said mind, heart. I'm going to say fascia. I'm going to say whole body. I'm going to say let's get three-dimensional and holistic when we talk about even just the vessel we're walking around in. Yeah. And the trauma that we've experienced as a family went in all directions. The mental, I was at capacity mentally and really hitting a border I had never been at before with the level of anxiety I was feeling about protecting my daughter, helping her through the justice system, helping her with her own trauma, emotions, everything you could imagine, that was completely overwhelming. So I had to get some help for me so I could help her and all the things that were involved in that. But coming back to those ninja moves, I had to remember to breathe. When you are in trauma in any fashion or post-trauma, you'll tend to go into that fight, flight, or freeze and that freeze, that bracing, that clench, literal, that you'll walk around with sometimes for years without realizing your body is actually bracing against something that's no longer a threat. That is a real physical issue. Eventually, you want to catch it at its whisper stage so it's not screaming at you down the road. But then there's the mental piece of it. So the ninja moves had to do with, whoa, checking in. I'm going to check in today. How's it going in there? I talk to myself a little bit. Am I clenching today? Why? There's no reason. So breathe. So breath work as a modality for anyone who has not 
incorporated that into their routine of self-care or healing modalities, I highly suggest you give it a try. But the journaling, I had to go to another level too. I had to give my trauma a witness. And if I wasn't willing to talk to somebody about it that week, I had to get it out onto my paper. So at least I could be the witness to myself. And I talk about journaling as an awareness tool for everybody, because sometimes people say to me, I don't want to talk about that thing. It's too hard. I don't want to tell anyone. There's some confidential information, whatever it is, right? So get it out on paper. It's not about it being on paper. You can burn it later. It's about the actual process. That journaling becomes a healing process because it's an awareness process. And Mm. that is one I used at whole other levels over the last couple of years as well. So that, I mean, I just named a couple, but there's a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I have a power of prayer, right? Like having a conversation with just me and the Lord alone that doesn't need to be for everybody right but i need to get this out and talk through this thing right by the way great listener we're having that conversation and that has a lot of value for me if i don't have that it can get pent up disaster i'm wondering i am a big mile i am like my because i get like golf ball knots in my back i mean sizable and not normal and so I'm like, man, it's sometimes actually debilitating. Like it's affecting my day and my ability to get some things done sometimes. So it's alarming. But um, these are some great tools right now. Of You also talked about like a check-in with yourself, but also having someone to talk to. If someone's out there challenged today and who should that be that person? Should it be a mentor? Should it be a sister or brother? Should it be a counselor? Should Does it have to be, I, I've got to pay to go talk to someone? Someone, what, what does that look like for somebody? I'm glad you asked that question. And I'm going to say first, there's no shoulds. So don't put any rules on this. Basically, talk to the person that you trust to hold that safe space for you and be the best listener they can be. Sometimes we have to pay somebody who is dialoguing trauma. And that's really important for those of you who need that. But sometimes we need to unload a little bit to a really great listener and just talk through some of the feelings. And that's okay, too, if it's a mentor or a coach or a trusted sibling or parent or whoever that is for you, right? I think that we get to certain blocks in those dialogues, though. And when we get stuck, and the person, as much as they're trying to help, stops being able to help fully because there's a piece they either don't understand or they're trying to fix it for you too much or they're, they want to be helpful. But for you, it's not about that. Then you have to stop and go, okay, are these conversations helping me at this point? Maybe not. And then possibly, yes, you might have to reach out to a skilled therapist, counselor, social worker. There's so many people who are out there ready and willing to help you. Trauma-informed coaches, therapists are fantastic. And it's not just about talk therapy anymore. EMDR modality, I will start to shout from the rooftops when you can get the nervous system to come down a notch and you can heal past trauma moments from your life with the guide of a skilled practitioner who can take you through those steps, right? And I really could go on and on because now my community is full of holistic practitioners who really are helping you understand what's possible with these different kinds of modalities. Not all of them are talk only. And that's what I want people to know is I I would love for you to get the help that's integrated. Yeah. 
I think that's really good. And I also say that people out there that are hurting, I mean, I tell you one of the things that we were challenged with, we needed really somebody for one of our children. And I think this was like November 1st. I called a very highly qualified, decorated and, and recommended facility. And they were like, yeah, April or May. Now, and it's November. I can't wait through spring. That's not going to fly for this dude, man. He's a young dude and things go fast. And that was a real challenge in the mental health world, in the healing world. For people out there, I mean, some of the aspects of taking responsibility to find some of these things on our own and, and read and educate ourselves. I think what a great world you're living in and, and the Brave Healer Productions that are bringing us some of this in publication and what we can do on our own because it's not as easy as pick it up anymore and find something. I, I appreciate you saying there's a lot of people out there. It's sometimes really hard to find the person you're looking for. Person, Have you seen that? Yeah, I we had the same issue with one of our kiddos where it took a really long time to find somebody and I'm somebody who knows how to find somebody. I was asking questions, I was interviewing and sometimes I will just help people by saying, hey, do you want to have a chat about what the right questions are to ask? Because sometimes you go out there as an advocate, especially as a parent, and you're not even sure how to find the right kind of person. But also it takes time and effort and you got to be on the phone and you have to interview these people and you have to know where to look and you have to keep asking. So don't give up. Keep asking because they are out there. And our community is a thousand healers strong at this point. They're all over the place, but you do have to know the right questions to ask. You have to understand the problem a little bit to have that conversation. But even then, and even my therapist friends will say to you, you do have to find the right match too. Yeah. And you can talk to someone and it might not work out. And great therapists and there's no pressure. And they will say, hey, I'll refer you to a colleague or whatever. It's a referral world in terms of these services. So keep asking for referrals and then get with people who can talk to you about the right questions to ask. That's awesome. All right, Laura DeFranco. Laura, tell where we can find you again. All right, come on over to bravehealer.com. Super happy to talk to anyone who's ready to get their message in the world in a bigger way. Thank you, Trent. I love that invite. Come on over. Just come on over. Like, good wife. So, all right, for everybody else, thank you for joining us on the Winter Sign of Willing Show. Again, we're on every Friday, 1230 Eastern, 930 AM Pacific on LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live, and the Leadership YouTube channel. So check us out there. And all your major podcasting networks. You can find us, download us, share us, like us, bring us a little comment. We love it. Everyone is positive. I'm just kidding. And then we will see you next time on the Winter Final Week Show. Rebellious Infusions are organic flavored water enhancers. Rebellious provides clean, focused energy in liquid packets. Just tear the corner of the packet and pour 16 ounces of water. Rebellious Infusions have no sugar, no calories, and up to 300 milligrams of antioxidants and loads of L-thionine for brain health. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 999999. Do you want to be our next guest? Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.